You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And Brenthurst Wealth was voted South Africa's top boutique wealth manager in 2020 and also in 2017. With me is Maria Smith, who is from Brenthurst Wealth in Pretoria. And we're going we're gonna to sort of augment and embellish the theme that we've been talking about for a few years now, and that is offshore investing. And Maria wrote a piece for biznews.com, and it says here, it is one thing to take your savings offshore, but what if you have been invested in South African assets for years or even decades? Is it still worth looking offshore in hopes of greater returns, or does the grass merely look greener? Over to you on this one, Maria, and welcome, by the way. I don't think it's ever too late, is it? Yes, so my idea with this article came from when I would do all these wonderful proposals to clients and then they would just tell me, listen, I am not comfortable paying capital gains tax and taking my money offshore. I would rather just sit invested in my local JC portfolio, um, take that risk, then pay that amount of money over to SARS. So I just wanted people to see that, you know what, sometimes – Taking that um, punch or that knock um, and paying that capital gains will actually help you in the long term. So that was what I was going for I think it's, um, with this specific article. I think it's a, good, it's a good point to make, but it depends, I suppose, on the age of the client, how many years he or she has left and what the knock yes. is, as, as you put it. Just, just remind us what capital gains tax is, uh, is, is taken away from you when you do shift from local to offshore. Yes. So as soon as you sell that share portfolio that you have, um, you immediately um, trigger a capital gain. So let's say, for example, you um, trigger that capital gain and you are in the higher income tax bracket, then you will effectively pay 18% capital gains tax on the gain that you realized. So let's say you have 100,000 rand gain you're going to pay 18,000 rand to SARS. That's effectively what the capital gain um, problem is when it comes to selling off um, shares. And I'm sure you've done a presentation which says, well, okay, 18% sounds a lot and you've, you've worked hard for this money uh, and you've invested for, for so many years and this portfolio has been become part of your life. But on the other hand, Maria, probably what you'll also come up with is you say, well, over the last five years, the JSE or local investments have done this, whereas the certain overseas investments have done this. And so the 18% actually would have been wiped out quite quickly. Yes, that's exactly right. So if you look at the last 10 years, as an example, if you just stayed invested in the JC, um, you would have had an uh, annualized um, growth of 11%. Compared to if you look at uh, MSCI World or World Index, you would have had a 20, 20% annualized growth. So th- that is quite a big difference. Um, and that is not even taking into account the... Um, weakening of the rand over the past few years, um, which will also be in your favor. So if your goal is to invest for the long term, you need that diversification. So staring into this one small problem of capital gains tax is going to hurt you in the long term. 
Agreed. As long as markets behave as they have done historically, uh, which can change, but um, I, I, I don't know. I just think there may be a few little blips where South Africa will outperform overseas markets. But uh, in general, the super long term, uh, or even the medium long term, if that's a phrase, I think uh, overseas will probably do better. You have a paragraph which starts, where do you start? And you say, the first thing the average South African investor needs to realise is that investing offshore comes with its own set of unique risks. I think the first risk is not doing it and also the fear of doing it. But what are the other ones, please, Maria? So firstly, if you think about offshore investing, you cannot think about it's going to be a safe investment. I'm taking my money offshore and I'm going to keep it in the bank there offshore. Um, Then it's safe from whatever happens with the RAND. Yes, it'll be safe from whatever happens to the RAND. But firstly, you're going to be paying your bank account fees in dollars, in compared to what you pay for bank account fees in South Africa. Um, the other thing is there has been low dollar returns on foreign cash and bonds. Um, so if you want to invest offshore, you have to realize that we need to invest in foreign shares and real estate um, compared to where you can put your money in the bank in South Africa and get, say, a 4 or 5% interest rate without actually taking any risk. So this, if you take your money offshore, you're going to have to go into shares to get the growth. So you have to have that risk tolerance to survive those days like yesterday where the Chinese government or that, um, yeah, where everything was just in the red yesterday the whole day. Yes, it so was. So that is things you need to um, look out for. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those are moments in time. I think it, you're referring to the Evergrande property company yes. that has uh, got everyone very, very jittery, but today it seems to be forgotten. Um, but it, it'll, it'll rear its ugly head again, and that will always happen, as things happen in South Africa as well. So you've got to weigh up the two. There's risks in every risky asset. I mean, that's the nature. That's why they're called risky assets. Your next paragraph says, Maria, what are the alternatives? It leaves the average South African investor, you go on to say, with foreign shares and real estate. Even if you assume that these assets currently offer good value for money, a portfolio consisting of only foreign equities and property can be far too complicated for investors to construct, let alone manage. Expand on that theme, if you would. So if you look at the difference between South Africa, we have 140 shares or 140 companies to look at on the JSE versus offshore. If you look at the MSCI um, all share index, you have 2,500 companies. Where do you start if you are um, just a normal person who has a day job, maybe say a civil engineer? You you are very good at building buildings, but how are you going to know what to invest in? Where are you going to start? So. Just being able to construct a portfolio on your own is quite a daunting task. So we recently um, took on the the assistance of of a DFM and um, to assist us with these global share portfolios. So basically what we want to do is we want to give you that bit of assistance to help you understand which share portfolios or what share portfolio will fit in with your risk portfolio um, so that you can get the best bang for your buck. Okay, so, so it's a lot cheaper to do a share portfolio yeah. than, let's say, uh, 
basket of um, unit trusts. Okay, tell me about DFM, because uh, there may be people out there who don't know the acronym DFM, and uh, one of those people is me. What is DFM? Okay, so DFM is a discretionary fund manager. So you are getting a company that their job is to sit in front of their computers, stare at the markets the whole day, mm. dissect every single share before they recommend it to us. So you're getting someone that's job is to look at those 2,500 shares to pick from and to choose the optimum portfolio for what you are looking for. So let's say we have quite a bunch of Sharia clients. So the, the discretionary fund manager would assist us in choosing those shares that are in line with the Sharia compliance. So that is his job. His or her job. I, and, and I suddenly feel very sorry for DFM, especially, especially on a sunny day. <laughs> but, but then you go on to say, um, Maria, information overload. Now, you're going to have to talk to me about information overload. I hope you're not having a go at podcasters like myself or TV stations or radio stations or websites. Uh, what are you talking about? Is there just too many products out there and you just get bamboozled by the amount of choice that you have? Yes, you have so many companies that you can use um, and there are so many um, different meanings. If you just open the news today, there's one article telling you be careful of investing all your money in um, offshore assets because of these reasons. Other, the, the next day you have, um, you have to invest in emerging markets because of these reasons. Who do you listen for? Where, um, where do you start? So you need to, um, if you want to manage your own share portfolio, you need to sit in front of the computer the whole day researching, okay, I need a bit of China, I need a bit of this. And at the end of the day, you have spent your whole day searching your share portfolio instead of, instead of um, spending time with your family or going for a nice mountain bike ride. Um, you've just been indoors and I have the perfect um, share allocation for the day, but tomorrow the news is different again. Exactly. Now, you say we are here to help. We understand that. And we'll talk about that right at the end. Uh, another paragraph is headlined, what's holding you back? And I can tell you from uh, having lived in South Africa for nearly three decades, Maria, I realized that certain people are quite proud and they won't admit to the fact that they don't have knowledge. You use the example of a civil engineer and that civil engineer is good at civil engineering, but maybe not so good at portfolio construction or personal finance. And it takes a, quite a step for some people, particularly men, to say, OK, I'm listening to Maria Smith. She's sitting in front of me now from Brenter's Wealth, but uh, I don't want to appear stupid. Do you ever come across that? Yes, that is one of the things I think, well, women in financial planning get quite a lot because you, here you sit in front of a person and you have to tell them your idea of what you're doing um, is actually hurting you more than what it is helping you. So I like using pictures to explain things and I like comparing things. So like you would also see in the article, I said, okay, so let's take 1 million rand and you have 1 million rand invested in um, the JAC and now you come to me and say, listen, I need offshore exposure, help me with that. I then tell you, okay, we can definitely assist, but remember there will be a capital gains tax implication. Now 
immediately you are thinking, okay, now I have to pay um, SARS money to take my money offshore. Let me just rather stay safe and keep it in South Africa. And if you look at, if your capital gains tax is say 82,000 rand on that million, you you will basically then have about 917,000 to invest offshore. Yes. Now, immediately that person sees it as a big loss. I am losing money just to take my money offshore. In one and a half years, he would have made up that loss and he would be better off in future already just because of that one small punch he had to take. Exactly. So you take it on the chin, first of all. You have to pay up front. I mean, just like you have to pay commission to financial services companies, you have to pay uh, for this advice. But uh, in the long term, not the short term, in the long term, and even the medium term, this is a very good idea. Take the knock, look at the history, look at the legacy, look at what has happened in the past between local and international markets, and you'll realise, and as you say, within one and a half years, that 917,000 goes back to a million. Um, you say here, regardless of the investor's risk profile and time frame, it's advisable to diversify the total portfolio to include exposure to asset classes not available in South Africa. And let's face it, the South African equity class is shrinking all the time. You say 140. I think it's actually 139, and it's probably going to go down to 137 in the next in the next few weeks. So it's shrinking, shrinking, shrinking all the time. So diversification is the key. Uh, diversification and optimization. Just briefly tell us about those two themes. So if you look at diversification, as soon as you take your money offshore, you are getting exposure to wonderful companies that we don't have available in South Africa. If you think about it, you get... Um, companies in Silicon Valley busy working on the latest and the newest tech. You are getting um, companies that are the providers of the cup of coffee that you drink every morning. Even though you can um, get it by investing in Tiger Brands, why not go directly to that um, specific um, company that makes it? And also you are um, getting biotech where which um, is not always there's one share available in South Africa. Instead, now you get quite a bit more um, different companies to choose from. Um, you are getting um, companies who are the mega drivers in industri industrialization and urbanization compared to where you have to invest with companies in South Africa where they have so many hurdles to come, to overcome. They have to um, ensure that they are paying their tax correctly, that they do their BEE status correctly, whereas offshore you get the government assisting companies. I, I mean, if you just look at a silly thing like if you watch that um, show of Jeremy Clarkson the other day, that um, farming show. Oh, uh, yeah, Clarkson's Farm. Yes, I love that. Yes, the way he, the government pays him to keep one field from being used. So they are far ahead of us in terms of how they assist their citizens. So why not invest there instead of investing here where you have companies that have to jump through major fire hoops just to be able to grow and while stay 
afloat, actually. Yeah, don't use Clarkson's Farm as a reference point, by the way, for making money, because um, he doesn't need the money, first of all. And secondly, in 2019, when that thing was filmed, I think it was, he, ma- he managed to make exactly £140 over the year, despite all his hard work, <laughs> but he had loads of fun. OK, let's wrap it up if we can, uh, Maria. What you're saying is... In fact, I'll read a paragraph from your piece. It says here, it starts by taking the first step. And that's what I said before. Swallow your pride. Listen to people who you might think you know more than, but you don't. uh, And take that first step towards a new angle to approach an investment strategy. This involves detail analysis and discussions with an advisor and implementing the carefully crafted plan in a professional and cost-efficient manner. And that's uh, why Brentus, I think, has partnered with DFM Global, apart from all its other associations. Yes, so we decided that we needed a bit more choice for our clients. So we have partnered with DFM Global. They also assisted me with this article. JC um, was kind enough to give me all the graphs and everything to help me with that. So, yes. Maria, thank you very much for your insight. That's Maria Smith who is a financial advisor at Brenters based in Pretoria, and that was It's My Money. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenters Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.